are starting a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. This happens to be episode 67. 67. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Yeah. How are how, you today, anyway, Robin? I'm fine. How are you, Carl? Um, I'm good. Um, having trouble finding time uh, at the moment for recording, yeah. but we're both very busy, but we're, we're getting yeah. there. We're a little bit tired. We're busy, you know, yeah. but still, yeah. here we are. And we have a new, very interesting episode. We do. Yeah. And I think it's like always we have some news at the beginning or almost every time. Yeah. And today we have, I think it's the... Um, We've got to do this, right? Is Yeah, we cannot skip this one. I no. think it's uh, something worth uh, mentioning and commenting about it. It's a moment. And we're going to talk about in uh, the beginning in our news about Elon Musk. Yeah. We have talked to he- about him several times. He's a real, he's a bit of a hero of mine, I think. He's, mm-hmm. he's kind of... The engineer we'd all like to be, right? Yeah, you know, you mm. know what's the thing? And uh, something we were commenting before we started the recording. Mm. He basically does because he can. Yeah, and, and exactly. that's a big thing. Well, this thing, you know, with his Falcon Heavy launch, yeah, and putting his roadster up there with his uh, space oddity astronaut mm-hmm. and the music and so on and so forth. I mean, this is the pure joy of doing something out of the, well, beyond extraordinary, really. Yeah. And yeah. and people may criticise, as I've read, people are criticising what they did by putting the roads to there and so on. Yeah, there's, but what there, the there's heck, two right? sides there, yeah. The first side is, look, it was a demonstration to the world yeah. that the Falcon X, uh, heavy. heavy, can... Go put something in space, Can return work. and work two of them. Yeah. Which is and it's amazing to see that video. We were also discussing that. Those boosters How coming both back. landing at the same time in the platform, like as soon as I wow. saw it, I just went fake. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was live. <laughs> It's yeah. clearly being photoshopped. There's no way that can happen. Yeah, for sure. If that had been if that had been a video from North Korea. That would have been the first thing we'd have said. Oh, of course, Fake. definitely. There's no way you can get those two things to land like uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. But, you know. But look at, look at that. Uh, I mean, I think that the coolest thing that I think of was the fact that while, or during the launch, they had uh, Space Oddity playing in the I cars. Oh, So It's just ridiculous. And there's another interesting thing. You yeah. were, and you were also mentioning this. Oh, yeah. About the spacesuit. Which is also manufactured by SpaceX. It's manufactured by them. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know they made space And suits. if you see the pictures, mm. you can see that actually the new spacesuit looks more, how can we say? Uh, conventional. Modern, more yeah. practical. Much more. For a human to move on. I actually think that these are the spacesuits that they've come up with to go with their planned... To Mars. Manned, uh, well, you know they have the contract to supply the International Space Station. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And they run the equivalent of trucks up to the International Space Station with, mm-hmm. with resupplies on there. Um, that um, that uh, module, uh-huh. uh, which I've forgotten the name of, but that module um, is meant to become a manned uh, module and it will take up to seven astronauts in very cool... Uh-huh. Kind of, you know, proper science fiction-y environment. Yeah. Um, and it would not surprise me if the suit kind of goes with the... With know, the deal, yeah. With the deal, because obviously they're kind of tailored to fit the seats, aren't they, and all that stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. th- looking at that suit, if that is actually the suit, I mean, it looks, you know, you could say it looks like a biker's outfit, right? Yeah, definitely. Doesn't it? Yeah, and the colour... What do you think about the fact that they chose a uh, cherry red? Well, that was the colour of his car. Do you think that maybe he what had are you to implying? do with visibility? With what? Visibility. Uh, what about if you choose a black one? Well, it is fastened to a huge rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the giveaway. But I think I was saying to you that um, although something went wrong with the boost phase it didn't quite go as they planned and it's not got the orbit that they thought it was going to have yeah um i was reading just a couple of days ago that uh, i think it's some astronomers or something in i think it's brazil or somewhere like that um they've 
forward track the uh, orbit, mm-hmm. and um, it's going to be up there for a while, about a million years, uh, before it has a real chance of hitting anything. They think if it hits anything, it will either be Venus or the Earth. So before anybody starts writing letters to Elon Musk... Which they did already. Uh, we'll be very lucky if there's anybody here to see it in a million years. So uh, the way the way we're going, right? And uh, what is interesting, though, is in about thirty years' time, or not about in thirty years' time, apparently, uh, one of its loops into the uh, central part of the solar system uh-huh. of uh, Mister Musk's roadster uh, will actually uh, dissect the orbit of the Earth and Moon. So it should be quite visible, but we were visible, saying, yeah. but we were saying, yeah, if anybody remembers that is there, yeah. <laughs> and well, then, and then, of course, you know, the uh, paintwork will have been damaged by them by month for sure, by, and no doubt people will be looking at it and going, "See, I told you those Teslas were rubbish." Look yeah, at that. look at that. Look at that paintwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. There's another thing that the other side is mm. claiming about. Uh, the only thing he did. Is to contribute to the space junk. I know. I mean, for goodness sake. Come on, get we're over yourself. Earth, now we are trashing space too. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I, don't know. I don't know. I think some people have just had a fun bypass, you know? True. And like I said, he does because he can, right? It's his money. Yeah. Well, his shareholders' money. <laughs> but, yeah. But who's counting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when Definitely. you. When you uh, I don't know whether you are aware of this, but uh, SpaceX, the company's worth and its value is unbelievable. It's like $24 billion or something yeah. uh-huh. is what it's valued. Huge. And I know Tesla Motors is losing money like no tomorrow. Um, in fact, they've just posted their biggest ever loss. I think it's like $400 million mm-hmm. in, in a quarter. Right? Yeah. But SpaceX is actually got a very high valuation um so i don't know i think what he's done has probably fired up a lot of young people's imagination yeah i think that is and it's a only, very interesting point and it's only old people that are moaning uh, right? definitely right? i think it's better for <clears throat> certain people to get motivated especially young people to get motivated exactly, exactly. to do something more well it was the Moon race that motivated that generation's young people. Yeah, definitely. To get into engineering, to get into aerospace, to Look get into... Look at Musk itself. Exactly. Well, he said he was inspired by all that. Right? By the moon. Yeah. Huh? So, I think it's a... I think it was cool. A wonderful thing. Yeah, right? I think it was as well. And and I think, as I said to you, uh-huh. uh, it was a private venture... Definitely. And he had a bit of fun with it. And I think he's been quoted himself as saying, mm-hmm. you've got to have some fun, right? I think this was just the first step for his plan of uh, Mars missions. S- sending Congress into space. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, is that was the news, right? yes. We were excited by it. Mm-hmm. And we have now the main topic today is... Uh, <laughs> How can we... Co- the title is funny, uh, in a way. Shall I do it? Yes, please say it. Because uh, it's my doing. Yeah. Uh, the title for today's podcast is Spermageddon. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's a made-up word. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what is today's podcast about? Well, it's really about um, that there is now evidence pointing to the human race becoming infertile within 50 years. Yes. Which is a bit of a, uh, could be a bit of a, a, a showstopper, right? Yeah, but that makes sense with the fact that, uh, for example, here we are living currently in in the area of Transylvania, Romania. Yeah. And it has been announced a few days ago mm. how, uh, again, the country had less birds and the, more deaths. The population were reducing some, something like two uh, percent or really? more, or something like that. Yeah. And then with the obviously people leaving the country anyway to look for yeah opportunities. The amount of deaths is still worse, superior yeah. to the birds. It's in minus, and the reduction keeps on going. Yeah. 
So, and there's a lot of uh, theories about this thing of becoming. So when will Romania? When will Romania be empty then? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they did that projection, but <laughs> maybe that's a funny projection to do, not only in Romania, but actually uh, yeah. well, in, Japan in Europe. Well, Japan has a big problem, right? Japan has the same, it's yeah. It's going to cease to exist, apparently, in 130 years' time, if they don't mm-hmm. start, you know, getting down to it <laughs> <laughs> and invite a few foreigners in. Now, I don't know if you have heard, but uh, I've heard more and more also... Yeah. People saying that they can't have children, although they tried. Right. So well, apparently, it's affecting uh, the research I did for this. Yeah, it's affecting on average one in five couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I don't know whether that has risen over decades. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh But it, it's it's significant. It's twenty percent, right? Yeah. I think I got those maths right there. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end. Uh, the topic of today is because it was announced in summer 2017 yeah. from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, the results of their research. Yeah, and, the, and their research was uh, that uh, male sperm counts have fallen by almost 60% in 40 years. That is, it's a lot. That is a lot. And actually, there's a bit I've just realized I forgot to put in the notes, but I'll bring up a, the appropriate point. But... Uh, the the lead author of the uh, research, Dr. Hagger Levine, I think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, he said the results basically were an urgent wake-up call. And um, you may ask, well, you know, how do they, how did they do that? How did they do that research? Yeah. And basically what they did was they did a what is called a meta-study, which is yeah. it's a study of studies, shall we say? Exactly. And basically they looked at something in the order of 185 studies of male facili- fertility uh, done between 1973 and 2011. Yeah. And this covered 43,000 men from covering North America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And uh, the result of the 60% drop estimate is based on analysing that work. Yeah. And it is, I mean, t- to me, yeah, I don't know to you, that, that sounds like a big drop, right? Well, it, it's a lot if you consider... Uh, I suppose, yeah. That, you know, during fertilization process... Yeah. There's a lot of... There's not uh, many get through, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and if a, you reduce those chances by 60%, it's a very it's competitive a sport, getting to that end, <laughs> Yeah, <right>? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of little wriggly fellas fall by the wayside on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. What is it? A nine-centimeter journey, I think it is. Yeah. Um, a lot Which of, can be huge at those... There's a lot of, you know, sand pits and acid baths and... Whatever in their way. Moats, uh-huh. I believe, and minefields. There's, <laughs> there's all kinds of shiny things to distract them on the way. On the way. Because, of course, the male easily distracted by shiny things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's something like, uh, something like uh, in the uh, kind of average um, event, shall we say, yeah. the, the start, you start out with something like 50 million tadpoles all going for the finishing line. And, and it's something like 10 get there or something. And sometimes even less. Yeah, all the rest, in uh, you know, are scattered along the way, either yeah. leaning on a wall, having a, you know, having a rest or... Yeah, I mean, look at just at that number. It's from millions to 10. Yeah. It's a very... It's huge. A so, micro fraction of that. So uh, if you halve the number that start out on the on the... Starting gun. Yeah. I mean, that could have... That gets serious at the far end, right? Yeah. Because the error margin is obviously pretty small, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's significant, I think. Once again, uh, it reduces your chances. It does. And I don't know, as I said, whether... As I said in in the research or reading I was doing for this, um, currently it's like one in five Uh couples have difficulty, uh, you know, on average. Um, 
I don't know whether that is growing or not. I'm assuming it is, but I don't know. Uh, but if we look at kind of like the back, uh-huh. the background to fertility uh, research, um, I think it's probably not <coughs> too big a surprise to anybody that um, historically research into male f- fertility has kind of taken second place to research into female. Yeah, I, I think it had to do with some kind of a sexist... I, I totally agree with that. Attitude, I, yeah. It's a bit like, you know, uh, if men had periods, we'd find a cure for it, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we would, wouldn't we, right? There's no way we'd go through that every month. Yeah. So, so the thing is, uh, with the f- fertility issues... For some reason, we put all the emphasis on sorting out mm-hmm. the woman's end of things, whereas apparently, and I also I read this in the uh, reading I was doing, that actually when you look at analysis of fertility uh, conception issues with yeah. couples, uh, it's actually evenly split. It's actually 50-50. Yeah, and yet all the research is on the woman. Yeah, because, uh Yeah. I think it had to do with culturally how culturally it how is. was it's cultural and the fact that oh how come the man is the problem it has to be with the yeah. woman yeah I mean, when, can, when effectively like you said it's like fifty fifty chance it is fifty fifty that's what the <laughs> uh, statistically yeah. is is the is the numbers so it is to do with obviously where we have a world to run mm-hmm. this yeah. takes time yeah. when uh, the wife has finished the ironing and done all the washing <laughs> she probably has enough time to pop to the old fertility clinic uh-huh. whereas i'm busy in the office yeah it'll be something like that looking at over time uh, all the attention has been on looking at the um, female side of things yeah um but what is actually uh, happened there is that we've um, developed a deeper understanding of uh, female reproduction and variedly effective treatments have been developed, but that is not the case for the male. Uh-huh. And um, it is now kind of becoming slightly more urgent that I think that is the general thrust of the thing that this needs looking at. So if we look at um, have there not been any kind of warning signs before, um, it turns out that uh, there have actually been a number of studies done and of male fertili- uh, fertility. And there was one done in 2012 uh, in France, uh, 26,000 men, and that showed that uh, counts had fallen by a third in that particular study between 1989 yeah. and 2005. And then in the UK <coughs> in 2007... Uh, another study done in a one particular city showed that uh, again uh, around a third drop uh, between eighty nine and two thousand and two. I think I know which city that is. No, I don't really. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, it's not like this is a shock horror. You know, how did that yeah. happen? Mm-hmm. The, the evidence is out there. Um, Definitely. But it's not been, um, not a lot of notice taken of it because, uh-huh. you know, well, whatever, right? I pr- well, something else I read was that it's not been very well funded. There's not a lot of funding available for research in this area. So yeah. all the money tends to go into the other side of things. So, so my thought was... Uh, is it game over for Homo sapiens, right? Yeah. Uh, hmm. You know, are we, if this is comes anywhere near true, doesn't have to be wholly mm-hmm. true. Yeah. But if, if it comes anywhere near true, we, we are potentially sleepwalking into a social, yeah. sociological and biological disaster zone, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it would change everything. <clears throat> Right. Yeah, but uh, like you said, uh, somewhere in the notes out there right now, actually, yeah. what if it's not? We don't. This is the problem, right? Yeah. All, all we all we have is a graph, a curve on a graph at the moment. 
And, yeah. you know, whether... I suppose the evidence will become evident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, for example, uh, conception rates, which I believe the the problem conception rates mm-hmm. are 20%, if that has risen and continues to rise, then it will lend to that. credence to this, yeah, this yeah. idea, won't it? And in fact, in 2017, the World Health Organization admitted that knowledge of male infertility was very low and uh, calls have been issued by the uh, WHO for more funding for research to actually understand what's going on with male infertility. But it was kind of summed up, I think, by uh, a lecturer, clinical lecturer, Dr. Sarah Martins de Silva at the University of Dundee. And she is a clinical lecturer in reproductive medicine, reproductive Uh medicine uh, and subfertility. And she said that basically we don't know why <laughs> why some sperm just doesn't work. Yeah. And and we also don't know how to treat it. So this is the level of understanding. This really Like cool. you said, because there has never been really a focus no. probably on it, like really get into it. No. And then <laughs> and then um you kinda think, well, you know, what what is behind it, right? Yeah. What could be behind it? And I kind of had had a bit of fun with that, <laughs> as you can see from the notes. <clears throat> and I thought, well, what's causing this steep decline? Is it is it North Korea? It, is it is it Russia? Yeah. I, I think it's probably Russia. They're responsible for most. The things, most uh, modern, accurate or They're, actual answer would be Russia. But. I think Russia, right? But uh, the truth is that, uh, surprise, <clears throat> surprise, nobody, nobody really knows, yeah. right? Uh, but there are a few suspects, so yeah. Why don't we have a walk through those? Oh, okay. Just before we do that, just one bit I wanted to mention is that um, in my reading for the show um, was that whatever the explanation, uh, it is not a natural process because the sp- velocity of change the speed of the change is way faster than any normal natural process so there is something going on Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not you know like how they argue about um, global warming they say well actually it's just part of a natural cycle of warming (laughs) right well this is one of those situations where natural response it's too quick yeah it's just happening too quick so there is a cause, uh, but it's not yet known. Yeah. So, well, I don't know if uh, maybe it's under a little bit, but uh, uh, I recall reading uh, something about uh, this conspiracy theory <laughs> regarding the overpopulation. Ah, so because we're overpopulated, because where the earth is becoming overpopulated, right? A way to reduce its population was to cause infertility ah. at certain numbers. Also like a government conspiracy. Government's conspiracy thing that they are controlling uh, They're birds. doing something. Yeah. Most likely with supplies. In the water. In the water. Right? Typical. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, that's a typical, the actually, water. Actually, strangely, we'll come to that in a minute. Okay. We'll come yeah. to that in a minute. Would you like to do the first yeah, suspect. Which I'm pretty familiar with. Well, I think we're all familiar with this one. The stress of modern life. Yeah. I actually look <clears throat> like that cartoon figure on the right yeah. most of the time. <laughs> which is a very worried and disgruntled looking sperm. Yeah. The thing is that it's true that uh, nowadays, mm. uh, in most countries or developed countries, if you want to sure. call it, yeah. uh, the level of stress, mm. I, I don't think we have reached levels before like this. No, I think we're... At all. We're, and we're still not finished, I don't think. I think so, because if you compare the lifestyle of people, mm. I don't know, in the 60s or the 50s, mm. compared to what it is now, mm. uh, people were more relaxed in the sense that they finished their jobs, they go yeah, home, they yeah. have, you know... There's no way for the company to get hold of them. Yeah, they were still more relaxed in general about everything. Yeah, he had a private space. Yeah, 
right now, uh, we live lives that have to be constantly it's always on, right? doing something yeah. because the society, the yeah. rules have changed, yeah. let's say, I agree with that. of behavior. Yeah. You always are challenged. You always have to be doing something. If you don't do something, yeah. then you fall back. And I, I've thought about this a bit, and I like to think of the idea of the the velocity of life. Yeah, right? definitely. And it seems to yeah. me that the velocity of life mm-hmm. in my adult life has increased beyond all I, measure. I agree with that, yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. I, I started work in the middle 70s. Uh-huh. That is the 1970s, not the 1870s. For <laughs> people who might be yeah. wondering. wondering yeah. I'd just like to make that statement. Uh-huh. So I started work in the 19, mid-70s, and the work environment particularly has obviously changed all, beyond yeah, all recognition. It is a not an evolution, it is a revolution. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it extends into social activity... Yeah. Everything. So the, we're arriving to the point mm. that we cannot really distinguish between well, the uh, brain physiological can't, and huh? psychological. Your brain can't. The it's, brain, it's yeah. It's built in, right? Yeah. This is... So what do we do to the stress response? The typical, which is uh, adrenaline. Drugs. Yes. <laughs> the answer to everything. So uh, so your body releases adrenaline. And this affects you in a lot of ways. Yeah, Some people suffer from uh, blood pressure uh, problems. The little and fellas, now, right? Yeah, we come to the subject of today that that affects also the sperm uh, production. The swimmers, mm-hmm. they get affected. They get high on the old adrenaline. So yeah, they definitely a more calm lifestyle. They don't know which direction to go in. Uh huh. They become directionless. Yeah, exactly. They become you know couch sperm. Mm-hmm. So lifestyle could have an impact for on sure. This. For sure, stress leading to yeah. adrenaline rushes oh, af- yeah. affecting you. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a natural. And there's people that become addicted to this adrenaline rush. Well, of actually. course. But the thing about it is, of course, is it's a new. You can see what the evolutionary advantage was. Of this yeah. response, right? You have to. You have to survive. If you if you want to outpace a saber toothed tiger, you got to get your you know. <laughs> yeah. So you can see where it's come from, but it's clearly in this circumstance, it's acting against yeah uh, the best, isn't it? So oh, I've got an easy one here. Yeah. Um, another candidate for why the old uh, wrigglers are short in numbers these days. Uh, is basically poor lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. Now, these are pretty obvious. Um, I think you can probably guess it's alcohol, uh, smoking, and obesity. Yeah. These are all. These uh-huh. are the three main uh, impacts. If you do all three, well done. <laughs> um, but either one of those can affect yeah, uh, your uh, your fertility levels. So there's not really a lot. I think that's been done to death. We all know what to do there. Uh, I actually said, I actually titled this section Poor Lifestyle Choices, also known as the result of doing things you like. Because, mm-hmm. you know, these pleasures, it's all double-edged swords, right? Yeah. Always. But... Uh- that these uh, many of those results yeah. come as a result of the first one. It is true. You're right. Yeah, because yeah. that causes the same uh, reaction, right? Yes. Or if you are the ones that would like to fight that stress, mm. then you end up trying to counter that sensation. For example, with alcohol or smoking or smoking, yeah, or uh, eating more crisps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, if you think about it, then you're combining actually two yeah. elements yeah. in one. You're right. It's the stress. And then, of course, you bring in additional harms. With, yeah. I think we've talked before, actually, about... Um, I think we had a conversation in a, in, a, in a show a long time ago about how to do with... It was to do with body language and how 
when you're uh, kind of the reptilian part of your brain, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called now, but the 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 old bit, um, that is in uh, has a great deal of influence over your behaviour, and you're not yeah. always aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that one of its um, uh, activities is that when you are stressed, it actually tries to get you to do things to calm it down yeah to calm yourself down so for example apparently uh i think i i think we did cover this at some point if you've ever noticed maybe you could look out for this behavior but if you're driving and Mm -hmm. you are behind a car yeah and you can clearly see the driver in front of you this is an observed phenomenon this right Uh you're driving behind somebody you're in a on the motorway or a freeway, whatever it is. And let us say the car in front of you has to put their brakes on very hard and they have to brake very hard. And of course, you have to then brake very hard and you go screeching up the back of them yeah. and just don't hit them. This is an observed thing. If you watch, and probably you're about to do the same thing, but if you watch the driver in front, they will reach up and touch their head. Hmm. And it's your reptilian part of your brain telling you to caress yourself to calm yourself down. Right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. This is observable. You can mm-hmm, see people mm-hmm. you can see and you see people doing it in even in conversations where people get stressed and they start touching their faces. Right? It's the same thing, right? Interesting one, yeah. And this thing of, you know, being stressed and then using cigarettes to... Yeah, it's... um, Is another expression of this same thing. Exactly, yeah. It's like self-medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't it? Be it alcohol... Yeah. Whatever. No. And we have the third one, another one. Environment. The environment. (laughs) This gets ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the examples we have here, for example, we have... Sunscreen. Yeah. And the reason is that the sunscreens contain endocrine-disrupting UV filters. Yeah, endocrine being hormonal stuff. Exactly, therefore reducing the production of uh, sperm. Certainly affecting it, that's for sure. And another another one that is, (laughs) I read it and then I had to reread it, Yeah, was um, the substances used when manufacturing non-stick frying pans. Frying pans, The non-stick stuff. Exactly. That leaches, the chemicals leach into the food uh-huh. that you're cooking them. Doesn't say that on the label, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can imagine non-stick frying pan and small print at the bottom. Can't using this fertility. <laughs> <laughs> Sperm counts may go up as well as down. <laughs> so, yeah, non-stick frying pans, that was... <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting a good one. one. And then and these are all environmental factors, obviously. Yes, and then we have the other one, which is related to that conspiracy theory. Yeah, exactly. Estrogen in our waterways from that contraceptive pill. That's right. And apparently this is a big issue, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's to do with, obviously, the ladies taking the contraceptive pill. Uh-huh. And then, of course, they go to the uh, bathroom. And then all that water gets into the water systems. And then it's... Process, but they don't remove that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing. He's <laughs> mild hysteria, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so the next one: electromagnetic is, radiation uh, from Wi-Fi routers. I know. So you, you know, our friends down there are being fried as we're sat here making the program. <laughs> <laughs> They're being lightly sorted in our bodily fluids as oh, we yeah. sit here, right? So basically, Wi-Fi routers, yeah, which are everywhere, everywhere, and obviously mobile phones. You, you open your mobile phone and you can see all um, all the amount of uh, hot uh, spots in the Wi-Fi routers oh. around you. We're being sorted in. Basically. Electromagnetic. Cooked in our own juices. We are, slowly. (laughs) (laughs) So, after EM radiation, Uh this is another one I didn't (laughs) realise, is exposure to water-based paints containing glycol ethers, uh, which are associated with low motile sperm count. Yeah. So, again... 
I, I think you know that probably there has been a huge move from oil-based paints to water-based to water paints. And the idea was, this is interesting, uh-huh. it's a bit like the, uh, the diesel fuel thing where in the, uh-huh, uh-huh. In the 70s and 80s, everybody was encouraged to go down the diesel, diesel. route because it's more environmentally friendly. Now we find that no. diesel particulates are killing us all, right? Yeah. So now we now if you buy a diesel car, you're like the devil incarnate or something. So, mm-hmm. so the governments are now penalising people for doing the thing they were encouraging them to do. To do in the first place. 30 years ago. Yeah. And um, the water-based paints, water-based paints were the pushed option to reduce use of oil-based paints. Yeah. Right? So now we're finding that water-based paints apparently are turning us all... all as men into ladies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the next one, we have chemical additives in food. Yeah. The list for that is longer than we care to think Yeah. About. With all the ingredients that you will read in... I don't know if you have Grav recently. No. Just some commercial bread in any supermarket. Well, Turn it around. Oh, bread. Bread. It and, comes with a pull-down list, doesn't and it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it comes with a list of, I don't know, more than 30, ingre- 30 ingredients. Wow. When bread, you can just do with yeah. salt, water, like three, right? or flour. Yeah. Yeah. But can you make money out of it? Nah. Thing, right? We've come to another... Well, <laughs> s- strangely enough, there was a big... Uh, there was a study released this week uh-huh. that I read about. It's not directly related to this, but uh, a French study saying that highly processed food is a significant... Contribute to cancer rates. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's pretty obvious, but it's like common sense, really. But mm-hmm. what can you do, right? So, anyway, yeah. back to our uh, right. To the so, list. so, the next one is uh, endocrine disrupting pesticides. Yeah. So, uh, a well, very, it's known about the pesticides. A very famous harms, one is that yeah. uh, dioxins, I think, uh-huh, are, uh-huh. which are banned now. Supposedly, yes. Um, supposedly. But apparently, apparently, uh, that was very clear-cut. So, for example, um, w- if women who were in their first trimester of pregnancy worked in agriculture where dioxins were being used, their children had low sperm count, or not low sperm counts, but... Um, uh, What's the word? Um, damaged uh, sperm. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. didn't work properly. And but interestingly, um, people who are exposed as adults don't have the same problem. It's the next generation. The next generation. It's one of those jobs, right? Which again, yeah, same problem ultimately, yeah. right? So yes, yeah, so industrial. Sorry, uh, yeah, the next one. Pesticides is a big one, and and there are still probably like this thing that's going on with these nicotinides. I think they're called that is believed to be damaging bees. Ah, yes, yes. all that stuff. You know, uh-huh. you know, they're all very worried about the bees, which they should be. We're all great respecter of bees, but <laughs> what's it doing to us, right? Exactly. Yeah, we to us as well. We don't get a look in, right? Uh-huh. We're too worried about the bees at the moment, which we should be. But yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, the next one is just various yeah. industrial pollutants, right? Which, yeah. Basically everything. Everything that is <laughs> everything the result that, of an industry. Everything that comes out of a chimney or a pipe mm-hmm. is probably not doing us any good, right? Or in barrels. In barrels. <laughs> True. <laughs> And then my favourite one is actually oh, yeah, is the next one. one. These yeah. are brilliant. These mm-hmm. are called the gender bender chemicals. Right? Yeah, actually, there's a, there has been a relationship between this type as well with obesity. Oh, really? Yes, because and we are talking about the um, uh, phthalates. The phthalates. Yeah, and they are uh, added in the plastic, so it's in the plastic. Yeah, like uh, yogurt cartons. This yeah, kind of stuff. exactly. That's a very typical. Uh huh. And there was this theory, or there is this still around, yeah. that whenever you grab, for example, a plastic bottle or something that contains those, yeah. uh, also generates you to have more appetites, increases your chances of being obese, and affects. Uh, well, it makes you hungry. Stuff like that. It's a lot of uh, things around. I know. So they're related with that and with cancer as well. 
Well, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't related to cancer, to be yeah. quite honest. Because <laughs> everything's Everything we be. have that, now it's, yeah, <laughs> Everything exactly. is, right? Um, what I found interesting about the phthalates, and I've, I've known about this for some time, I'm uh-huh. sure you have, is that oh, it's used very, it's very common in um, food containers mm-hmm. and in wrapping. So like, they call That's it saran oil. wrap in the, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. US. Uh-huh. We, in the UK, we call it cling film. Cling film. Uh-huh. You know, the food wrap I know. stuff. Uh-huh. Um, now, I understand that they've actually attempted to reduce that uh, content. Um, but the simple action of just putting the cling film stuff over some food that you put in the fridge, the chemicals leach. If there's any contact, yeah, the chemicals leach into the food. And then, of course, they use it in like yogurt containers and all this stuff. It leaches into the what's in the thing. Mm-hmm. And this stuff is responsible for some uh, studies that were done of outflow pipes, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, various things. Outflow pipes flowing into rivers. And what they found was, this, this just reminded me of The Simpsons. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, you know the three-eyed fish in The Simpsons. Yeah, right? the, yeah, yeah. You know, the, you know, the, the fish blinking. blinky. <laughs> uh-huh. um, what they found was that if they studied the fish that were around the outflow pipes that had these phthalates in the runoff, is that the uh, the males were turning into females. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is, yeah. which is not, it's probably not good, right? It, it, that's my guess. It's probably not a good idea. So, mm-hmm. so those are just a few of, they're the headline grabbers. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, scientifically kind of recognised factors to do with that could be or are affecting male fertility. But mm-hmm. but there could be another explanation. Okay. So here's one not entirely out of left field. Yeah. Right? So... Actually, this is something we have talked before. We've touched on this before. Actually, it was the second show, I think, or third. Was it? Yeah. I I think you're right. Um, Here's a a different way of looking at it. Forget forget that stuff we've just covered. Here's a quote from somebody who I will tell you in a moment. Uh, But his quote says this. Humans have now pushed Gaia to her limit, in addition to filling the atmosphere with carbon dioxide, we have hacked our way through the lungs of the planet, the rainforests, and driven many species to extinction. Now that is a quote from the British scientist Dr. James Lovelock, who is the originator Mm -hmm. and developer of Gaia theory, right? Yeah. And for those out there who are not familiar with Gaia theory. And I've got a, I've actually um, got a first-hand impression that actually the current generation don't. It's kind of not on their radar, Gaia, yeah. Gaia theory. But Gaia theory, which is, uh, as I say, was developed by James Lovelock, Lovelock yeah. proposes that the Earth and its natural cycles within its biosphere can be thought of like a living organism. organism. Yeah. You know, like that Jedi once said yeah. in a movie, we live in a symbiotic exactly, exactly. relationship with Earth. Exactly. And, and within this Gaia concept of uh, living organism, uh, natural cycles can go out of kilter, that can go out of shape. Yeah, but when that happens, other cycles come into play to bring it back into balance. And the idea is the Gaia uh, hypothesis is that the Earth always attempts to achieve balance mm-hmm. to allow life to prosper on the Earth. That is its thing, right? Yeah, that's what it's always trying to do. And so, uh, if we look at uh, Gaia in that concept of optimizing the conditions for life on Earth, and that's not human life, yeah. that's all life. Uh, Dr. Lovelock has made a quite uh, interesting kind of statement, and he said 
he said that he thinks that with global warming, environmental warnings, that we're heading for a very warm world, a very warm earth, where only the polar regions will be comfortable for life forms. And that eventually, he suspects, the Gaia uh, mechanisms will actually bring things back into check, Mm -hmm. but but it may well be too late for humans. Yeah. Uh, It's Planet of the Apes time, right? Something like that, yes. Uh, We we discussed, I remember, in the the second, third episode of the Down the Rabbit Hole about this, was also called something like that, like Gaia. Thing. I think it was called the Revenge of Gaia or something. something like that, yeah. or Gaia, Mother oh, Earth, something. It, it, certainly, uh, Earth itself has shown those cycles when there's a need of yeah. cleaning, yeah. let's say. Yeah. So by reducing... Uh, Taking care of business. The, uh, yeah. By liability or the, how can we say, the living conditions to just the poles yeah. reduces the amount of people that could actually that it could support su- survive and support, yeah. giving time for the rest of the earth to cool down again and become to, f- to fix itself. Right? Yeah, exactly. A period of recovery. So, so maybe just maybe falling male facil- fertility yeah. is is Gaia's response to the harm we humans are causing. To the Earth's biosphere. Which is something we mentioned at the beginning, yeah. overpopulation. Yeah. And, and the feedback mechanisms that are proposed in Gaia theory would suggest that a resolution to the impacts humans are having on Spaceship Earth, as it's been referred to, yeah. uh, would be to erode our ability to reproduce. So, yeah. the in a nutshell, cut the infestation back, problem solved. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. Uh, we being the infestation. Yeah. And... Uh, so that that is kind of it. That's it, yeah. I have one thing that I didn't write down in case mm-hmm. the, the NSA was monitoring my um, my, <laughs> my Google Drive, uh-huh. uh, is that I'd like to propose a conspiracy theory, if I could, just okay. for two minutes. Yes. Okay, my conspiracy theory is really simple, and it joins together some completely disrelated facts into a meaningful whole. So basically, okay. basically, we may all be kind of concerned that there isn't enough urgency mm. being applied to environmental change and global warming by the world's governments, mm. certainly by the world's major governments, mm. that not enough is being done. We're all, people are concerned about it. So what if, what if, the reason why there isn't all that much urgency is because at a high level of government, they're aware of this situation and that what they're doing is they're looking ahead and they can see that the population of the earth is going to plummet in the not within the time frames that we keep talking about global warming and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We keep talking about 100 years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We keep talking about 2100, right? And we so, keep talking 30 years to go out of the planet. Exactly. And these time frames are 50 years. So mm-hmm. so what if at the highest level of government, this is an acknowledged thing that they are fully aware mm-hmm. that population is going to crash so they don't have to do too much. And it also chimes in with... Why is it that in the last few years we've seen a huge increase in interest by major governments to do further work at the North and the South Pole of developing resources, of developing... We know that Russia's doing it, we know the US is doing it, other countries are doing it. So again, it chimes in with this idea of preparing for this inevitability because mm-hmm. you've got to start these things early, right? If you've got a good warning, you need to act on it, okay? So basically, conspiracy theory is uh, there is a high-level conspiracy that knows there's going to be a crash in the world population and that the other things, these other things that we're seeing are symptoms or telltale signs that they're acting on that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that is my conspiracy theory. What do you think? Well, 
pretty much. Uh, it's as good as any other. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. I, thank you. Yeah. I'm going to start spreading it. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we'd like to go wherever you're going in the North or South Pole. Yeah. Remember you heard Take it. Take us there, please. You heard it here first, right? Yeah. So I'd like to finish on that. So yeah. we can now do the books. The books. Uh, we start with a 1968 book mm. written by John uh, Brunner. Stand on Zanzibar. Yes. Uh, I think this is a classic. I think so. Uh, basically, some uh, 20... Actually, this is the, one of the funny things that lately I uh, I have found. Yeah. You know, when people talk about uh, the future in the old book, books, yeah. is they it's talk so about wrong. the 21st century, you know? And this book actually set in 2010. I know, and it was written in 68. Well, it was written in 68. And he's got it so wrong. It's unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually, that's why we're preparing a topic about something like this, right? <laughs> Predictions oh, and yeah, premonitions yeah, yeah, yeah. things. Uh, yeah. About, you know, yeah, we should cover yeah. this. Yeah. This is part of it because uh, there are 7 billion plus hum- humans on yeah. this book in the 21st century, yeah. 2010. Which is actually pretty close, actually. Yes, not so bad in that sense. Yeah. Age of intelligent computers, depends on what you mean by intelligent <laughs> computers, but yeah, pretty much also. Yeah. Mass market psychedelic drugs. I think that's true. That's They're illegal. Quite but, okay, yeah. yeah. Politics conducted by assassination. Well, that is the food of every day in his, human history, basically. Yeah, true, yeah. So there's not much there. Yeah. But scientists who burn incense to appease volcanoes. Mm, well, but this could be part of the anti-science movement. Yes, exactly. Around the globe, right? So, this is portraying all the dangers, yeah. all the things that happen in an overcrowded world. Yeah. And he may, he may, we, you know, we can all have a good laugh that yeah. we, we happen to live in this period. And yes, he got it completely wrong. But, but the ideas are there, right? The ideas are there. Yes, definitely. I, I think that's the important thing. So, basically, yeah, he's dealing with something that we mentioned even since the beginning. Yeah. The overpopulation problems. Yeah. They have to come to solve have to be solved somehow. <laughs> somehow, right? Somehow. Yes. Even if it probably some people think about war, for example. Well, exactly. This, again, this is a population control mechanism. Isn't it? And another one is uh, these pandemics. Yes, a like good pandemic. That's what we're we having now a flu issue. I mean, we've said before, <laughs> we either need a really good war or a pandemic. Yeah. Right? That would uh-huh. sort a lot of problems out. Definitely. As long as I don't have to go to war and I don't get whatever it is. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so the next book yeah. is actually another classic uh, by an author who I've read a lot of his books. Uh-huh. Uh, he has a lot of humour in his books. Um, it's Make Room, Make Room, uh, again written a long time ago in 1966 by Harry Harrison. And he's a brilliant writer, very good humour, um, uh-huh. And basically, uh, it's about a, a gangster, blah, 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 uh, is uh, a detective under pressure to solve the crime. Uh, he becomes captivated by the victim's girlfriend. This is a story as, the old, as old as time itself. Um, but it's against a background of overpopulation, uh, it's set in New York, and there are 35 million inhabitants in New York, and people will kill each other just to have a, a steak uh-huh. made out of lentils, <laughs> um, and and um, basically, it's full of wit. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. It's actually quite unnerving when you read it, and it's about what happens when you take mm-hmm. the human spirit to breaking point. Things in in a crazy. humorous way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is a very funny writer. Um, yeah. So two highly recommended books. Yes. Uh, a movie that we have mentioned many times I before. I think we have, but we got a... Under totally different circumstances, yeah. but... Can't it, keep a good movie down, right? It's still a mo- good movie. And it's funny that this movie appears constantly under different topics. Do you know, this is a very divisive film, this. I've talked to a lot of people Yeah. Who, not many people have seen it anyway. Seriously? Yeah, and a lot of people don't like it. I uh, thought it was... Br- I think it's brilliant. It's depressing. I l- I l- yes, but I think it was well done. Very prescient, very... Oh, yes. Yeah. And we're talking about Children of Men. Yeah. 
a movie from 2006 uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. And it's talking about infertility, which yeah. is what we we're talking about also. Exactly. We talked about before about... Uh, yeah. In fact, there are no children in this. Yeah, exactly. All the schools are empty. Again, pretty- man faces extinction because we talk about, about extinctions yeah. with this before. So there's no 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 nobody else. Yeah. There's no young people. It's very haunting, isn't it? All yeah. The, all the schools are empty. They're like empty, derelict. Until one person. One. Yeah. One lone pregnant lady. Yes, and everybody has to protect her. And yeah. People are out together. Yeah, out out to hurt her for, as well for research purposes. Mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I think it's they. They are out together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yes, the man. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a very kind of disturbing film. The it is, it is, it is, yeah, definitely. But he's brilliantly done. I think it's, it is. I agree with completely with that. Um, and the final movie, which I actually saw a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. I have not seen this one yet. I thought it was very good. It's called Downsizing. Uh-huh. And it's a 2017 movie. Uh, the director is Alexander Payne. And basically, scientists save the world because they discover how to shrink humans down to just five inches tall. And, okay. bas- and basically, uh, what happens is they're building these mini cities, yeah. which are like obviously really small. And they're in like a protected thing with a dome over the top. And there are complete cities, very pastoral, you know, lots of open spaces, blah, 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 blah. And life carries on as normal in these things. People have businesses, blah, blah, blah. But everybody's five inches tall. Uh-huh. And basically what you do is, it's a one-way trip. So once you've been made small, you can't come back. And basically what is brilliant is um, that... <laughs> This is a really clever bit of the film, was that um, people were initially worried that it's very, it's, surely it's going to be very expensive. How am I going to live? Blah, blah, blah. And the trick in the movie, which was really nice, was that they said, well, because you're something like one ten thousandth of your original volume, something like that, uh, your uh, – impact on the environment is reduced by that amount so the actual costs that you incur to live are consequently a micro fraction of what they were when you were full size so even if you as a full size person have modest uh wealth or income even if you're just an ordinary person when you're estate wealth is converted into <clears throat> five inch money everybody's a millionaire <laughs> it's, it's totally brilliant yeah it's totally brilliant so no, no, i was thinking right now yeah what would happen for example with you have a city yeah that little size a mini city yeah. i haven't seen the movie but i'm just thinking right now uh what if you get only a cockroach no it's covered sized it's, it's covered, covered but yeah it's covered how resistant it is well I don't think you should go and see this movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you, your head is clearly not in the right place. Okay. Uh, in the movie, it goes into quite a bit about how they isolate the environment. Uh, okay. of the, yeah. So everything is, you know, yeah, because sanitised and miniaturised. And because everything else around you, ah, you know. Interestingly, in the movie, it actually there's a whole class of things that can't be miniaturised. So... Uh, certain things like, um, I think it was like um, carnations, the flower. Yeah. Certain types of flower cannot be miniaturised. So in the movie, uh, you kind of displayed your wealth, relatively speaking, by having a carna- one carnation head in a big glass bowl, and it was about five feet across. <laughs> it's just, it is a really, I thought it was a clever movie. Interesting, and yeah. It, and it was basically trying to make a point. Mm-hmm. One of the points was that potentially we can solve the environmental issues of human impact by obviously reducing everything, but you can't change the people. Definitely. They're still... 
the same messed up uh-huh. bunch of saddles <laughs> yeah. that they were when they were full size with the same problems. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. But well worth Well, we are reaching already one hour show, so... Come think- I'm exhausted. Yeah, I think that with that we finish for okay. now. Okay. So, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Keep an eye because we're coming with more episodes and yeah. we're going to have also a guest very soon with us. Oh, yeah, we got a guest episode. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So, thank you, Carl. Talk thank to you, you next time. Thank you, Rafa. And uh, don't forget to keep an eye on us in our feed and mm. uh, whether we post all our info in the Facebook yeah. and so on. Thank you. See you next time down the rabbit hole. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio 2017.